Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like Lars Newbar, just wants to spend time with Shohei Otani. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hey, Nate H. How you doing? Doing well. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Hambone, we tried something a little bit different there. The intro. Hopefully, you're not all sitting there hanging, wondering what we're going to talk about today. Rest assured, it's going to be about Cardinals and a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. Um, how... read, read that episode description if you're if you're that yeah. curious. Okay, it's it's available yeah. to you. Get off my Ready. back. Get leave me alone. Yeah. Um. We're recording the day after Halloween. Um, yeah. You know, we we know you are a hypocritical man. You hate all ho- all holidays and gatherings of people for a good time. Mm. But you've expressed joy around Halloween. Um, so I got to ask. Yeah. How was your Halloween? Nate, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little hungover this morning uh, <laughs> today as we record. You may may hear that in my voice. I have a I have a large cold liquid IV. Uh, next to me and a large cold iced coffee next to me. Mm. So I had a great time. Uh, See, it's on, interesting on because I, I noticed virtually no difference in your demeanor or wow. energy level. Well, uh, uh, those uh, open eared listeners maybe can pick up. On. Wow. Never mind. OK, now I see it. <laughs> those um, open eared listeners. I don't know. Uh, no, I had great. We uh, we handed out a, a very small amount of candy. Um, yeah. From the very small amount of uh, uh, trick or treaters that came to our house, uh, which is always fun. Um, it was a big, big year for Lilo and Stitch in the uh, really the Park Hill neighborhood of Denver, Colorado. That's surprising. Um, yeah, I thought the same thing. I also thought like that movie wasn't that big when we were younger and, and closer to the age is it had a second life. But anyways, that that was a thing. Um, and after that, I went out to a uh, like a Halloween themed art concert type thing that I've done the past three years. It's kind of hard to explain. It's called Itchio, um, which is a, a weird Denver happening. Um, the, the best way that I could describe it is like a a drumline meets a satanic sigil in the attic of a weird building downtown. Um, and Sounds I, like I went, a fire hazard. Yeah, oh, oh <laughs> mom. Yeah, it was uh, it was bizarre. And, and it's very hard to describe, but I had a great time. I, I love Halloween. Um, watching a bunch of spooky movies, all that all that good stuff. It's great. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you had a good time. It was uh, cold as hell here in St. Louis, but we still went out, braved the weather, and did some actual trick or treating. Um, you get a good haul. We there was a neighbor that we went out to my my sister lives out in the suburbs, and so we went out to her place. And it's like it, it's one of those neighborhoods that feels like that. It's like they're trying to shoot a Halloween movie. You know, all the neighbors like really do it up, and like terrible neighborhood to go into if you're going to end up in one of those Halloween situations where all the Halloween decorations come to life, 
You know mm. what I mean? Happens every year. It I it seems to. It seems to be a pretty frequent, at least in Halloween Halloween movies, happens all the time. All the time. So I was a little worried. I was a little scared because you never know. You never know when that might happen. But it was super cold. But uh, one of the neighbors was giving out full size candy bars, which is always I mean, come on. You know, what a hero. This is the best kind of adult in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So we left a bowl of candy on our front porch and uh, it seems like nobody came by. So I just got extra, extra candy. I see. I'm not doing that in a year because last year. So we have a ring camera and we were out last year uh, out and about and we left a bowl and the first two or three kids were well behaved, took, you know, three or four Mm -hmm. pieces of candy, which I I think is fine. Um, And then the next family, it was like what looked like two or three younger brothers and one brother opened up the knapsack while the other one poured the entire bowl into their <laughs> trick or treat bag. And I look at I'm like, I just gave one family like forty five dollars, 50 bucks worth of candy. What are we doing here? Yeah, and I get can- it. They're $50 kids of candy. Yeah. Huh? What was in that bowl? Candy is expensive. Gold What's nuggets. A- $50, though. That's a lot of candy. Well, yeah, I wanted the, you know, I'm trying yeah. to, I'm trying to provide for the chillins and, uh, they, uh, I, I mean, I, they robbed me. That's yeah. how I felt. And I get it. They're tempted. You, they're, they're young kids. You see yeah. all that candy, their eyes light up jackpot, but, uh, I can't do that anymore. I've, they've, uh, they ruined, you know, one bad apple. Um, now, honestly, I think if I just bought 50 bucks worth of candy from the grocery store and w- went to a random house and gave it to somebody, I would even feel better about that. I, I But, yeah. you know, there's this like, well, anyways, I don't I don't I don't need to. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. Is that why you went on that Taken style revenge tour uh, last year right around this time? Yeah, there's there's those that family is still trapped in my basement. Now. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a they didn't know they were on camera. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> and they thought that the there's disguises. They call them costumes. They thought their mm-hmm. disguises <laughs> would uh, uh, make it difficult to find them. But mm-hmm. it's not that big of a neighborhood over here. You know, yeah. I found them. What's your favorite candy bar or your favorite candy? I guess doesn't have to be a candy bar. What What are you? You're out there. You know, yeah. you pluck, I know you go out there and you pluck from you, you knock over kids, tip yeah. their pillowcases upside down. And here's and the you, thing. I'm bigger than them, so it's yeah. easy. Yeah. And you're wearing a disguise. Yeah. Um, what, what, what are you picking from the candy bowl? If you have your if you have your choice, honestly, this this is a basic ass answer, but a mm-hmm. fun size Snickers. Man, yeah, it just hits so good. I love a Snickers. Yeah. Um, I also like the fun size uh, Reese's cups. They're fun. Um, they are. They nailed the name. There is something I, I think I prefer a fun size candy to a full size candy, even though yeah. as a child, the house that's handing the full size out, you're like, oh, Hell my yeah. God, this is the I, this is the pinnacle of everything. But I think as an adult, I prefer the fun size candy. It just it, it hits perfect. Yeah, I think I agree. I uh, Especially with like a Reese's, I think the ratio is good. Yeah. Of the chocolate to peanut butter, the little cup. Um, the Snickers, when you when you're thinking some uh fun size, are you are you thinking where it's like the size of like a thumb, you know, where it's like maybe two bites, or the like half of that where it's like, you know, like so, the size of a knuckle, if I may. I, I may be a, a far too detailed answer for this, but I think that the the one that is the size of a thumb is fantastic. Yeah. Um, they, I like just send those to me all day. Very mm-hmm. happy. 
but they have the mini ones, the one bite ones that are a dark chocolate version okay. of the Snickers. And that, yeah, Mamma Mia. I mean, that's that's just delightful. So um, I like them both. OK, yeah, I'm not a big dark chocolate guy. Um, and I and I think I agree. I like the I like the thumb size. That's the most fun size. Yeah. The little ones. That's where I think the balance actually gets off is a little off on yeah. a Snicker. It's too much chocolate. I need more nougat baby yeah. more nougat, mer- more peanut. caramel yeah. yeah but yeah i like that yeah. i um the only one i don't really like is a three musketeer because i don't know what's inside of it yeah yeah why why are who's picking that it feels like filler candy you know what yeah. i mean like i i'll eat them same with like a milky way is oh, like I'll, one I'll step eat above all of that. that yeah yeah that, be course. clear about that of course <laughs> yeah like, it's like a milky way is like one step above that but it's sort of in the same cat- category yeah um, but once you start getting into Snickers, I love a Twix. Oh yeah. Twix, Kit Kat. I mean, really, I like it all. It's all good. I love a wafer. Give me a wafer in my chocolate and Hell I'm having yeah. a good time. Yeah. Your fruit. I, I think ultimately though, I'm more of a fruit candy guy than a chocolate candy guy. See, how yeah, do you feel I, about that? I, I think that's pretty whack. I mean, I'll eat a, I'll eat a Twizzler. I'll eat a Skittle. Mm-hmm. But uh, one, one one individual Skittle. I'm one and done there. I'll have one. Yeah. I, I can eat a bowl of Snickers. I mm-hmm. can eat one. I can tell. <laughs> one fun size Skittle. And then I'm like, <laughs> OK, I get it. Would you eat a fun like a one big Skittle, like a single a singular fun size Skittle? Like no, a thumb sized Skittle. <laughs> sounds horrible. That's horrible. And they're not mm. that good to begin with. So, yeah, my yeah. Jaw gets tired after enough Skittles. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess. Okay. All right. Well, happy Halloween to everyone. <laughs> this is Halloween. Smoky, scary skeletons. <laughs> um, well, we are. We're. We've got one. We've got one to three games left of the World Series. Yeah, um, we're gonna re- you know continue our coverage of that. We'll talk about the the World Series more specifically a little bit later. But we are really more importantly, we're right on the cusp of the off season officially starting. So we can maybe you know some some things are going to start happening over the next few weeks. Some some. Uh, some news is going to start trickling in. Some actions are going to start happening. And we've actually had a few over the last week already. But, you know, we can really expect the offseason to begin in earnest really next week, uh, which I'm excited about. Um, but still plenty to talk about from a Cardinals standpoint. Um, we we actually kind of meant to talk about this last week, but um, I think we spent too much time talking about random bullshit. Uh, but Tommy Edmond has been. Uh, nominated for a gold glove in the yeah. utility gold glove category. Uh, congrats to Tommy. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I think that like uh, on a high level, I, I really like that the utility gold glove exists, especially I yeah. think the way that players are deployed in our in our modern game. Um wow. So I, I think that's cool. Now, unfortunately for Tommy Edmond, he's going up. He's uh, nominated alongside Mookie Betts and Hassan Kim. Yeah. Um, both who are better defenders than he uh, and Mookie Betts, who I, I know we've talked about it a couple of times this season, but he did something this year um, by playing. I, I think I would argue he's the best right fielder in baseball. 
Yeah. Um, so he has that, right? Like he's a gold glover at right field and, and maybe a platinum glove winner there. Uh, but then he also played short and second at a, at a very good level. And I yeah. think that pretty much locks the award up for him. Like th- this is what that award should be for, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and that that route is is not the most common when you see people moving from outfield to infield. Like it's not crazy uncommon for your elite middle infielder to, to take starts in the outfield, a center field or otherwise, because. You know, that's just the type of guy they are. They can kind of play anywhere, but you don't often see a right fielder uh, platoon over to be your starting shortstop or your starting second baseman, especially when they haven't done it in a long right. time and uh, to do it at his level. Yeah, I think you're it, right. It's well, it's Mookie Betts probably pretty easily. It's just the skill set, right? You look at Hassan yeah. Kim. He's a great shortstop. He slides over to second. Uh, and he's a great second baseman. Of course he is. Those are skill sets that make sense. Um, the plays are very similar. Obviously, you're making a different side of the turn on the double play and you're at a different angle. Um, but it makes sense that Hassam Kim is a very good shortstop, a very good second baseman and a very good third baseman. Uh, it, it's just a much harder thing to do um, or to do what Mookie Betts did. And I know, um, you know, Tommy playing out in center. Um, and, and the way that he was kind of moving around this year was a, a huge or, or a big help to the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, but I think that Mookie Betts is just a higher caliber of defensive player. And that's really what it comes down to. But uh, I think it's cool. Like, yeah, the Cardinals are <laughs> there. There was this is a, the only really award that I can think of off the top of my head that the Cardinals were. Um, even nominated for or a yeah. Cardinal was nominated for because of uh, the shit year in which we just <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, pulled out of. But yeah, that's yeah, nice. I think, I think, you know, we definitely just, you know, brought it up as Tommy Edmond, but mostly just talked about how great Tom or Mookie Betts is. But I think it's worth calling out. Like, I think you and I were both we, we, we kind of go back and forth a lot on Tommy Edmond. And um, I think for for fair reasons and and we were pretty slow to accept the Tommy Edmond as a center fielder experiment well uh and i you know i think he i think he deserves the recognition of this nomination and i think it's cool for him yeah um and i do think ultimately he was a pretty good center fielder which is quite the accomplishment when you were previously one of the best defensive middle infielders right in the game so i just want to make sure like we we do give we have a tendency to walk over tommy edmund so like <laughs> let's give him some credit give him some flowers here like that is a that that is a challenging thing to do and he got better and better at center field as yeah the, as the year went along and, and i don't know like I, I know that i can just be a contrarian for a contrarian's sake which is uh annoying Always helpful and a, it's a healthy attitude and way to handle things but I just feel like his prowess in center field was shoved down my throat by <laughs> Twitter and the announcers and everything like that. And and I guess maybe I was having a hard time um, accepting that it was as good as it was. Um, yeah. I, and I think I, I think I, I still feel strongly that I also think he has more value in short and second um, and kind of bouncing in between those two options because the Cardinals have good center fielders on the team. Right. That like I wouldn't 
and I know there's injuries and, and this year was just it was shit. Yeah. You know, it was the way that it was. But I uh, and I so I guess what I'll try to say and to not come out as the most negative person is that like Tommy did a great job. I really want the job to go to Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson or Lars Newpar in the yeah. future and let Tommy keep doing his thing on the infield. Um, you know, ho- however that shapes out. Yeah. That being said, maybe he's going to be a Seattle Mariner here in a couple of months. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, he was there because all three of those guys you just said were out. Right. Yeah. And so it's like we needed someone. And now that role is probably filled by Palacios. I'd be really surprised if Tommy Edmond is getting meaningful time in, in center field in 2024 as a St. Louis Cardinal. Um, you know, but he but, did such a great job, Nate. He's well, he's one of those guys gold glove defensively. I believe that he would, he will be good anywhere you put him. Yeah. He's just one of those guys. It's a real skill set of his. We've seen it when he started playing shortstop for the Cardinals. Um, you know, it started out like, okay, he seems pretty good. And then a couple weeks in, it was like, wow, he's a really good shortstop and same with second base. And then same with center field. He's just a very skilled defender. Um, but there, we think that there's, there's a higher ceiling, both offensively and defensively for some other guys on the team. And Um, if if Tommy Edmond is our starting center fielder in 2024 at any point, we're probably back into some sort of problem that we got into in 2023. Yeah, that, that would be less than desirable. Um, so yeah, great job, Tommy. I, I'm proud of you. Um, wow. I always had your back. Yeah, we've always been big Tommy Edmund supporters on this team, on this show. I think he is a, a player that is easy to see his value and what he brings to the table. <laughs> And his consistency uh-huh. in that value add makes yeah. him an easy player to talk about. Wow. Let's talk about other good news here. <laughs> um, Jojo Romero. Yeah. Uh, quite the breakout last year. Looking like a steal from the Philadelphia Phillies. Ed, remember Edmundo Sosa? I, well, we liked him. He, we he, did. I like Edmundo Sosa, but it's hard to argue that the Cardinals didn't do a fantastic job kind of flipping this piece, Edmundo Sosa, who seems to be kind of leveling out to like a a speedy defensive replacement on the infield um, to a guy who kind of forced his way into closing and arguably was the Cardinals best relief pitcher for at least a few months this year. Yeah, he he did a combination of forcing himself into the picture and also being the last man standing there for a little while, yeah. too. So. Availability is important, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, him, like everyone else on the team, basically, you know, really didn't play the last the end of the season because he ended with an injury. But we did receive some good news regarding Jojo for 2024. Yeah, um, it looks like his knee injury uh, uh, is clearing up and it looks like that he will be um, starting spring training normally and everything like that. And then I also just wanted to throw out a couple of numbers to make him, um, you know, just kind of put his season into context a little bit. He only had 36 innings in 23 at the big league level. Uh, but during that time, he put up a 2.22 FIP, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and was striking people out at a 28% rate, almost 30. Um, and I think 
Well, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but maybe he's supplanting uh, uh, Gio Gonzalez or Gio. Uh, uh, oh, my God. My hungover brain can't think of Gio's last name. Uh, Gallegos? Gallegos. <laughs> wow. Is Gio Gonzalez, was he a, he was a starter for the Nationals? Is that- Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, geez. Anyways, good job, Jojo Romero. Yeah. Gio was on the athletics, I believe, and then was traded to the nationals during their, their little run in 2019. Um, I know who he is. He's a guy. Yeah. Jojo looking good. And, um, you know, we, I think you pretty much go into as it stands right now, you're looking at your 2023 bullpen as Helsley, Gallegos and Romero. And then everybody else, it's it's an open competition. And yeah. the Cardinals have also thrown out a number that keeps being used recently in headlines and are in article writing is that the Cardinals have said they want to acquire two uh, high-end relievers, which sure. now puts their uh, shopping list at three starters and two relievers, which both feel just unlikely. But unless they just mean bodies, in which case, okay, sure, they might get five bodies, but the high end nature of them, we'll see. But, you know, you could see like, again, here's my optimistic mind coming in. Uh, If if Romero is great, if Gallegos is, you know, what Gallegos generally has been for several years now and Helsley is healthy and you do just add one more like really good reliever. Boltman is looking pretty, pretty you know, potentially very good, especially if you look at like maybe Zuniga looking, you know, coming up and being healthy. Like there's a potential for a good bullpen here again. Yeah. I'm happy they said that, but I think that you have to be critical of the um, methodology here because you could say that the Cardinals brought in two nasty relievers in Zuniga and Vilking Rodriguez um last year and mm-hmm. both of those guys combined for like what was it like two innings something um, like that yeah and, and i would like to see the cardinals continue that style of approach i think that if they want to go out and get known quantities or quote unquote known quantities in the in the bullpen which is like kind of a a misnomer in its own right um but i think bringing in more than a couple of guys and mm-hmm. and lottery tickets and uh, I don't know, older guys with funky deliveries or, or just anything, just being a little more creative around this, I think would be great because you're not going to have um, a season where you have eight guys in the bullpen all year. You know, it's right. it's going to be muddy and and, and up and down and, and there's going to be changes to that, that role, I think. Yeah, well, and I do think it's important to remember, though, that, you know, for a long time, last year what we were saying and and what was true is that like the cardinal bullpen was good the bullpen was not a problem the bullpen became a problem when the starting pitching staff completely and predictably imploded and now all of a sudden every game you needed three four five innings from the bullpen and even the best bullpens in baseball are going to start to collapse under that amount of pressure and the Cardinals did. So like uh, I, we've said it all along, the best solve to the Cardinals bullpen is getting a good starting rotation, right? Because you don't need 
five, six, seven elite relievers in a bullpen if you have even a middling starting rotation. Yeah. Right. And so that's why I'm saying, like, you know, if, and it's a huge if, but if the Cardinals go into 2024 with a, a projected stable rotation, than a bullpen of three or four like high end guys, which they, of which they might already have three, like you can see why that bullpen would be good, just like it was last year until everything collapsed. Yeah, um, yeah, and I guess maybe the spending on the rotation pieces will kind of uh, tell the story of yeah. the bullpen pieces that are are. are picked out right if you go get Yamamoto and Nola uh, okay I don't really care what bullpen pieces you get just go get warm bodies but if right, they're lesser right. than that Sonny Gray and Tyler Maley maybe uh okay well let's start talking about we, yeah, the becomes, yeah. yeah the Volvin becomes more and more important right, right. yeah yeah 100 percent so uh we started this with talking about Jojo but you know obviously it's ex- expanded a little bit but you know I'm Excited to get good news this offseason about some of the injuries. Did you know his Twitter handle is Jojo the Jet? <laughs> no, that's great. That is good. Do- we sh- we need we need to, uh, I think, bring that into our, our uh, vocabulary. Yeah. yeah. Triple J. Jojo the Jet. JJ the J. JJ the Jet. That's good. Yeah, that is good. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, we got our first, uh, first calling of the 40 man yeah which we do not think they are done um it's i i think we both think it's going to be a pretty big calling um there were some really bad players on the 40 man roster this year yeah you want to run down who has all like the decisions that have already been made yeah kyle Leahy, Leahy, uh irving lopez um feel bad for that guy because he fought so hard to make that debut and then yeah immediately back down uh, Juniel, uh, Quericuto, which that name is hard for me to say. Quericuto, Quericuto. Mm. Uh, they were all outrighted to AAA. Um, Andrew Suarez and Casey Lawrence predictably were also outrighted, but elected free agency instead. Those guys are a couple of years older, uh, than the names I previously said. Uh, Adam Wainwright has a fi- officially retired. Um, I think he posted his retirement yeah. documentation on Twitter, which is yeah. funny and, and classic way now. Uh, so that clears his spot off the 40 man. The 40 man stands at 35 players uh, currently, but that is not counting the five players on the 60 day IL, which are, of course, Dylan Carlson, Brendan Donovan, Packy Naughton, Wilking Rodriguez and Guillermo Zuniga. And I would assume I think the only one on the bubble there might be Packy Naughton, unless they're not feeling great about Wilking and Guillermo's health situation. I would assume right. all of those guys will be getting a spot on the 40 man uh, once the, the, the paperwork goes through and they have to protect people and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I would think so, too. Um, I think you hold on to all of them. I mean, obviously, if we go and get some guys, uh, this is we're going to need to push some people out. But as it stands, there's really no reason to let any of them go or risk letting any of them go, depending on how the DFA goes. Um, so uh, but, you know, the, we, we're projecting a handful of uh, DFAs here coming up too as as we get closer to the deadline. We we did a, a pretty good 
or uh, good. I don't know about that, but we, we had crushed it. We, we discussed this it. previously. You know, we're we're predicting Kisner, potentially Dakota <laughs> Hudson, um, Woodford, you know, a handful of these more household names uh, that are all going to need to make space for apparently upwards of five new uh, pitchers, according to the Cardinals. Yeah, and I still think like, I think that the focus and we're going to focus on free agents here in a second. Uh, the focus has been on free agents, but I am convinced that one of the three starting pitchers who I actually think is only going to be two will be traded for. Yeah. I think a trade is going to happen. Yeah. And and that will it'll likely be a multiple for one style deal. You would right? think. which will which will likely clear additional space off and of let's, the yeah let's say one or two of those names of the four or five or whatever the package looks like will be on the 40 man making more room mm-hmm. yada 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 yeah i i think we're anticipating a pretty significant change to the overall 40 man here over the next couple months uh yeah uh, uh yeah i think so actually <laughs> okay um what have you listened to any of the during the playoffs uh wayno was in the booth for a couple games did you catch any of that uh yeah like a few weeks ago yeah yeah Yeah. no i thought he did good um he's charming he's good he's um you know it's i i don't know why i feel this way but I, I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'll, I'm about to be 35 here, uh, wow. in, the, in the new year. So Wayno is only like what, five, six years older than me mm-hmm. for some reason. It's only five or six years. Like we almost crossed over in high school. It's not that big of a gap. Wayno talking. I, I feel like he's in his mid fifties or something. Yeah. The way that he talks <laughs> about the game and, um, I don't know. He's got like, a. I don't know. He's old soul, I guess, maybe is what it is. But yeah. that that I kind of like was struck by that. I think just hearing him speak for that extended of a period, which we don't normally, you know, usually it's in uh, one or five minute bursts and post games or whatever. Um, yeah, but no, I, I'm not being critical. It was more just an observation and, and kind of funny. Well, what stood out to me with Wayno is that a lot of these broadcasters he was partnered with, and especially when you think of someone like a John Smoltz, when they're just negative, right? Yeah. Like they just seem to hate the game and hate being a part of broadcasting it. And Adam Wainwright is still just like, wow, isn't it fun to be here guys? Like yeah. half the time, you know? And I kind of like that. He's kind of like this like puppy dog, you know, that's even though I agree with you, like he his, it's almost like his cadence and, and some of the topics he brings up, give him this sort of old soul sort of mentality. He's kind of always been that way. Yeah. But it is almost always rooted in like joy and, and wonderment at like the spectacle of the sport. And I, I appreciate that. And I hope that he holds on to it. I like, you know, the, yeah. you, know, you know, it seems like the natural way of things for broadcasters is they just get grumpier and grumpier as I, you know, people wear more necklaces while playing baseball or something. I don't know. Um, and, I think that John Smoltz has some very interesting insights sometimes, and I think he adds to the game sometimes. And I think that Joe Davis is great. I, I think that Joe Davis is probably one of our best color guys right now. Um, I think he does great. But John Smoltz, he is such a curmudgeon. I mean, yeah. Wh- why are you here? Like, it yeah. seems like you hate what you're doing. And I think that 
maybe skewing somebody a little younger, maybe somebody who's embracing the modern game a little bit more would really, really help the uh, World Series broadcast and these playoff broadcasts or even the what does he yeah. do Monday night baseball? I think throughout the season. Uh, uh, yeah, I so th- there's a big a fan. like there's a big hubbub right now because the World Series is projecting it to be like the lowest watched World Series like ever or at least in the last five or six years. Like from a rating standpoint, sure. And uh, uh, someone on Twitter or X or whatever, they're at Stacy at Stace Gotts wrote this, and it just it really stood out to me. It said World Series viewing numbers have gone down in recent years because MLB is bad at marketing its game and its players. It has a commissioner who hates the game, and Fox continues to trot out John Smoltz on a national stage where he also hates the current way the game is being played. So it's like, yeah, you know, like if you and I have said this for a long time that the, the issues with the growth and expansion of the MLB, I don't think have as much to do with the on field product. No, like we like these new rule changes and and it can be a little bit of both, but the bigger problem is MLB is just trash at marketing its own game. We saw some improvements this year with like those Brian Cranston ads and things like that. But like, you know, having John Smoltz be the voice of your biggest stage and he's, just complaining about, you know, what is arguably the most exciting time the game has been in a long time and has been a pretty good World Series. Like it's, yeah, you know, it's very I, frustrating. So, yeah, I, I think that the uh, I definitely think that Manfred is a part of it, although I will say he has made one of the most meaningful change, positive changes to baseball in our lifetimes with the pitch clock. And to what degree is he responsible for that? I think, you know, we could debate that and whatever. I think the the MLB's biggest problem, and I, I agree with you, the Brian Cranston and some of the ads that they're doing around the game changes this year have been great. The biggest problem is the individual players. You look at um, like the NBA, for example, and uh, 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 oh, I'm forgetting the Heat. The uh, Jimmy LeBron Butler. James. No, I think Jimmy Butler. He's the the Heat's big player. Who he showed up essentially in costume to photo day as like an emo kid uh and he straightened his hair and he put some fake lip piercings in and that had like that was on sports news media for like 48 hours and that's because (laughs) you have a superstar athlete showing personality being strange and kind of playing with the whole media thing and that that's obviously one very specific example NFL, look at the Kelsey brothers. The Kelsey brothers are everywhere right now. And that's one part because one of them is dating the most famous person on earth right now, which goes a long way. But also because they have a weekly podcast where they're sharing their kind of funny, interesting personalities and and broadcasting out that way. Baseball does not have that. Baseball is a sport that it seems like it tries to look at Tristan Casas earlier this year. Tristan Casas was laying with his shirt off in Fenway Park doing his own thing. And there was I don't know if you remember this. This was months ago at this point. But there were reports about how some of the older players in the Red Sox dugout in the in the clubhouse were like, you got to tighten up. You can't be like this. This isn't the Red Sox way. This isn't how baseball players go. Yeah, it's it's this whole entity that like crushes individuality out of these players and therefore when Corey Seager gives a post-game interview uh, after he just hit a 450 foot home run in the World Series 
he gives you three word answers and runs back to the dugout so he can go hang out with his guys. Like, I do think the problem is larger than just simply blaming these. Am I making any sense? I feel like I'm. Well, kind of, because you were starting to put it on the players and then you're saying it's more like the institution, because I think there's plenty of personalities in baseball. They just don't know how to market it. But I also think it is it is a it is a complicated extension of a sport that is built around failure. Um, You know, you're in in a game like basketball or football, you know, they have their bad days. But for the most part, your stars are your stars and they can end the game and go and talk about how great they were and you know they highlight that whereas in baseball like odds are you're gonna fail right every game like the most likely thing is that you're gonna be bad that day and so you're forced into this like humble uh like i can never be over the top you know braggadocious or whatever i can never be a personality because the moment i put a, a limelight on myself and then I strike out four times in a game. I, you know, I'm, I'm like, right. I'm pushed down. Right. And, so, but, and I don't know if I'm just speaking purely anecdotally right now, maybe I need to think about this harder, but there used to be personalities in the game. Like, look, I mean, the, the 1970s Pittsburgh pirates were a team full of personalities. Uh, the, well, that was all the speed and we've gotten rid of most of the drugs. Is that what it, we yeah. need to bring amphetamines <laughs> back into the sport? You're right, Ben. We need to make baseball great again. Let's go back to the 50s <laughs> and the 60s, you know, when there was like two guys. No, I think you're wrong. I think that there's plenty of personalities now. Bat flips are bigger than ever. Um, I think that it's the game is does a bad job of marketing itself. You think I I, I think you're wrong. I think that mm-hmm. uh, like look at Reggie Jackson. Look at yeah, Ricky you- Williams. Look You're at, making the same argument about people who say like music was better in the 70s because we remember only the like the elite from that time. But there's plenty of boring people from who the is 60s, the kooky 70s. personality in MLB right now that Tommy fam, baby. <laughs> is he <laughs> the slap, the slap before the slap? OK, well, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm confused. I think Mookie is uh, is is you, outgoing. And great. You think he's kooky? Um, I think he's, he's a character. Like, I think Mookie's kooky. I think Mookie's a little kooky. Okay, I'll 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 drop it because I think this... we got a kooky Mookie. Uh, all right. Um, you know Tatis before all of his shit. <laughs> sure. And then he got punched down into being <laughs> yeah a simple interviewer again. Right. Right. Um. Let's move on. Let's talk about uh. Let's talk about the free agency that's that's coming up. So we're seeing a bunch of data out there on projected salaries. People are trying to get ahead of what this market is going to look like and and try to figure out how much money some of these guys are going to cost. You know, we've projected that the Cardinals probably have 50 to 60 million in their open budget to what they could spend. And that would be getting them to to levels that they've been before you know we don't know yet what uh how many beef bucks uh dewitt is willing to um you know to to dole out this this off season um so who knows what the actual cap on the budget could be but that's i think you know why it's interesting for us to try to project project predict or project how much money these guys might cost because you can start to build it into a framework of uh 
of you know who the Cardinals might be able to go after. So you 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 did some some digging and found some projected numbers. Do you want to kind of run into run through that? Yeah. So first, I wanted to talk about. I think that there's been some chatter about uh, Yamamoto, the 25 year old phenom from NPB, who uh, I I don't think the Cardinals are going to get. But I, I did think it was important to contextualize what kind of dollars uh, uh, we can expect. And um, so the easiest way to do this, I think, is to look at Masahiro Tanaka, um, who was also posted for the MLB when he was 25 and was also yeah. a phenom who was putting up, um, you know, he was twice as valuable, like two, 2.3 times as valuable as the average uh, MPB starting pitcher um, at the same age, which is extremely similar to what Yamamoto is doing um and, and obviously there's a time frame here the the game is different pitching is different J- japanese pitching has taken a step forward since uh tanaka was posted back in the day um but anyway so uh tanaka received seven years 155 million dollars as you remember he was a yankee um and w- essentially was good right away i don't think he was ever great uh um, right but was a very solid pitcher in a very tough division in a hard to be good or, or and an offensive ballpark. Um, so Tanaka's, if, if you project Tanaka's deal back then to what it would be today, it'd be 225 million over seven years, which totals to 32.14 million per year. Um, so if you just slap that deal on Yamamoto, uh, 225, seven over 225, that feels pretty high to me. And, and I don't know. I guess I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Do you think that there's any way that a 25 year old Japanese pitcher whose name is not Shohei Otani would get over $200 million from a big league ball club? Yeah, that's the number that had been floated for quite a while was like, he's, he wants 200 million. He wants 200 million. It's like, well, of course he wants 200 million. We Me all, too. I also want 200 million. Uh, if anyone's listening, but, um, no, I don't think he's going to get 200. Um, you, you've made a point about pitcher contracts, uh, changing. I think this, just this last off season, we saw some major pitching contracts that almost immediately have been bad. Right. And so I do think there's going to be a little bit more hesitancy this off season to, to really go big on, uh, on, on pitchers, especially those, you know, that don't have any MLB experience. Um, that said the inverse, like one of the only pitching contracts that really has gone really well, uh, from last year was Kodai Senga, you know, and now that deal was way less money. I think it was 80 million, but point being like, you know, we've seen international players come over very recently and show immediate success in the big leagues. And it is different than 2012 or whatever. When, when Tanaka came over 2014, when he came over the game, even though it was only nine years ago, the game is just different now, especially from a pitching perspective. So um, I don't think he's going to get 200 million. There was a good article on Viva Alberta's, which is a, a great blog um, where they were trying to predict uh, Tanaka or um, Yamamoto's uh, salary. And, you know, they landed more around like the 160 million you know maybe 180 which i think feels a little more likely than uh than 200 um, yeah well 
And I, I think the problem, and, and maybe maybe that is the number, right? That maybe he gets essentially the Tanaka deal. Um, and you know, I think the Yankees would probably make that Tanaka deal again in in 2014 if they could. But I think the thing that's still hard to predict, and Kode Senga did a, a fairly decent job, but like Masahiro Tanaka was posting a well over 200 ERA plus uh, year after year in in PB. And then he came over and he pitched seven years in big leagues. And his ERA plus over that time period was 114, which is yeah. 14% above average over that time period against the people he was pitching against. So it's good. But are are we better at predicting that now? Or like, I'm not so convinced that we know exactly how a Japanese baseball player is going to transfer to um, Major League Baseball. And like Yoshida had a, a good start to the year and then kind of fell off. What is Yoshida mm-hmm. going? And obviously a hitter different than a pitcher. Um, I think that's a harder adjustment um, just because of how difficult the pitching is now uh, in Major League Baseball. But yeah, the the, the, uh, the predictability, I think, is really hard. And, and what exactly you're getting, I think it's really hard to say. Yeah, Um and I want I want to make sure I, I I pulled up the article here just to make sure I had my numbers right. And so where they were project for uh, the Viva Alberto's article, <laughs> Viva oh my God, Viva Alberto. Mm. Let me start over. We all know what it is. You suck. Viva Alberto's article. Surprisingly difficult to say. Um, they're projecting actually six one twenty for Yamamoto, but also a roughly twenty million dollar posting fee, which right. is a part of this whole thing. So. Um, I would be really surprised if you're getting him for six one forty, considering the hype and the teams that are likely to be in on him. But if that's the case, you have to imagine and hope that the Cardinals are in on that. Um, you know, so we'll see. But I think it's going to be more like one with posting fee and everything. Yeah, one sixty to one eighty. I'm imagining some degree of bidding war. Um. But I don't know. You saw Arenado and Newt Bar went to Japan and uh, they were at the game. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, Newt Bar's out there doing the work. It is cool. Uh, to, to, is, is there a real value add there? I don't know, but I do like it. It's fun. I want to go. I mean, to you have to imagine if, if all offers are generally in the same ballpark. And, you know, there's a guy on one of the teams that like you're tight with. Yeah. And you're going to a whole new country. I, I don't know. It can't hurt, I guess. Like, yeah. And le- well, it could hurt if New Bar was like a like a douchebag or something. But yeah, sure. Seems like everybody loves him. So, yeah, if you I mean, got him out there and you've got Arenado, you know, future Hall of Famer, uh, just even lightly being like, hey, man, come play with us. Like, yep. wouldn't that be fun? Like, it can't hurt. Right. Luis Robert, I mean, there was a lot of people talking about he went with the White Sox, not only because of the money, but because they had a handful of Cuban players there yeah. already. And it, it kind of makes that transition easier. And that, I mean, makes sense to me. You're like you just said, you're flying halfway across the world. Um, you know, some 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 familiar faces, I'm sure, go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I'm wondering how, you know, the. It always feels like there's like one big chip to fall in the in the market, and that sort of dictates a lot of other things. So I'm wondering if Yamamoto is going to go early or go late in the off season. I uh, I think the, the Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani. I think that yeah, because 
the all the teams or sorry, a handful of the teams that are going after Yamamoto will be in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. And I think that will dictate everything. Yeah. If the Mets get Shohei Otani, which I would hate so much mm-hmm. um, for various reasons, it seems like Yamamoto and Shohei Otani is, is not going to happen. Um, unless Steve Cohen just fully goes uh, full Steve Cohen. So I guess well, he tried impossible. to remember last year, he tried to pay 30 million for Carlos Correa and that fell apart, but there's yeah. just like, Oh, there was just like a $30 million a year add to their budget that he tried to do. And it was stopped at like the last minute. So, you know, yeah, yeah I, and then Correa had a terrible year. Yeah. Funny yeah, how that works. Yeah, of course. Um, two other pitchers that I wanted to call out from this kind of thought process. And we'll, I think we'll eventually break down majority of the of the pitchers. But uh, two that I thought were interesting, and I'm going to put them like, we'll put Eduardo Rodriguez with the Tigers in like the 2-3 category as far as where mm-hmm. he'd slot into your rotation. And then Tyler Maley, uh, uh in kind of like the 4-5 slot although mm-hmm. Nate and I were joking that the Cardinals are going to sign Tyler Maley and he's going to be our heart like a strong number two yeah. uh so we'll see I, but when I saw you throw his name on the list I was like ah oh, damn it it's gonna be Tyler Maley and yeah. well you know you know take this with a grain of salt but Eduardo Rodriguez who I'm a big fan of he's being projected to get five years 80 million dollars and Maley uh being projected to get two years 20 million dollars and I do think that if you're trying to augment your rotation, you can do a lot worse than Tyler Maley. Yeah. And if that deal is anywhere close to being accurate, two years, 20, it would make a lot of sense for the Cardinals to jump on that. Um, a yeah. depth piece. He's a, a high spin guy that has had some success. Um, you know, coming to the Cardinals ballpark might be a boon for somebody like him. Just having a healthy, normal year might be. But I think he's somebody that he, he again, he can't be the only move. Um, right. I think that he'd be a big value add. And again, I just really like Eduardo Rodriguez. He's his off the field stuff um, is hard to parse through, um, yeah. considering he uh, missed a lot of time for personal issues, which seem to be totally valid. He blocked a trade to the Dodgers this trade deadline, which I think is also quite bizarre that you would not want to join the juggernaut and yeah. try for a world series is is strange so i think there's a lot of outstanding questions there but when he's healthy eduardo eduardo rodriguez is really really good yeah yeah um and same with tyler molly like it's easy to laugh at him you know or like you know say like oh man that's you know why him but to your point like as long it, it, he would be he will make the cardinals better if they get him and there is still some potential ceiling there that maybe has not been seen. Uh, in 2021, he had almost a four war season, 3.9 through 180 innings with a 10.5 K per nine. Um, so like, boy, would we have killed for that this year? And that was in Cincinnati yeah. as a red. So like, you know, you could see a, a repeat of a, of that sort of innings and in K per nine at Bush maybe a four and a half, five war season. And yeah. that would be the best pitcher we've had uh, in, I don't know, three decades, it feels like. So Oof. there, there is that ceiling that would be nice. But yeah, if if we go out of this offseason with Tyler Maley is like one of two starters that we got, um, 
unless that other one is like a Yamamoto or a Nola or something, <laughs> uh, I think we'd be pretty disappointed. Yeah. Um, a- another name I wanted to throw out you, and we were kind of talking about the bullpen earlier, um, and I don't think it's going to happen, but should the Cardinals be interested in Josh Hader, who is a free agent for the first time? I don't know. That guy doesn't want to win. You know what I mean? <laughs> I forgot about that. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this all comes down to allocation of resources. Like if they miss out on every great starter and all of a sudden our best bet at making a good pitching staff is just truly stacking the bullpen, then by all means, like let's go get Josh Hader. Um, but this is somebody uh, not, that, that you've referred to on the show as a future hall of famer. I think he has a real shot at it. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's like, you know, he'll probably want high teens, low, even potentially low twenties, uh, millions of dollars per year, maybe on a short contract, but still like I would much rather spend that money on a starter than a bullpen. Cause as I mentioned before, I think the Cardinals have this, the bones of a good bullpen to begin with. Yeah. But if we miss out on everybody, you know, and now all of a sudden Tyler Molly is the best starter that we get, then like we need an even better bullpen. And yeah, by all means, go and get Josh Hader. Sure. But I wouldn't want that to be like the main priority. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, there's also been the Cardinals have been connected to Japanese closer Yuki Matsui. Um, mm-hmm. who has had a handful of really, really next-level seasons in MPB. I also uh, just like this guy's profile. He's very stuffy, a lot of a lot of breaking ball action. He is also 5'8", 167, um, and seems like he's a lefty, somebody who I think could fit into the Cardinals' yeah. uh, situation very, very easily. Um, and the real, I, you know, it's not like I, I dug this guy up. It's, there's been a couple of reports um, connecting the team and yeah. the player. That one seems like I've seen some reports that it's almost done. Even like the Cardinals have basically, you know, almost rule breakingly come to pre agreements with Matt Suey. So yeah. I, like I, I'm actually going to be kind of surprised if they don't sign him. Yeah. And uh, Matt Suey. Seemed, oh, sorry. Seems like a like exactly the type of guy to go get. Yeah. Matt Suey is uh, 28 years old. Uh, he has 236 saves in MPB, a 2.43 ERA over that time, and over 12 Ks per nine. Um, yeah. So, you know, if he comes over and he's a, a three-ish uh, lefty, a three-ish ERA lefty reliever, uh, it seems like a no-brainer. And he's also, you know, still relatively young. And mm-hmm. um, also, I like a little guy. A little guy throwing gas is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see why not like that. It, I, you imagine he won't be too expensive. Um, so yeah. seems like a perfect and, and the Cardinals have done it uh, in the past. Sung Wano, you know, going and bringing in relievers um, from outside of the MLB and having success right at the big league level. So um, I would, I would, I think that one makes a lot of sense. Pitching, 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 just, yeah, go, just go get, get the all. pitching. Yes. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to talk about uh, with free agents before we we move on? No, we're going to be talking about this all winter. So, yeah. well, yeah, as people come off the board. Um, all right. Well, we have uh, we want to talk about the World Series and a few other things from around the league. But before we do, we want to remind everyone that this show is listener supported on Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Uh, if you like the show, want to continue or want to support its 
continued existence and the work that goes into it and join a cool community, consider joining our Patreon. Patreon.com slash talking about birds. Patrons of any level get access to the bird score. It's our private discord. Uh, it's been very eat the rich lately, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> so if that sounds, uh, if that sounds like your vibe, uh, come on in. Um, you know, we'd love to have you. And, uh, if you want to support the show in another way, consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Ben, where can people find us elsewhere? Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Talk About Birds. We're on Instagram at Talking About Birds. Uh, you can find us on TikTok. We got a TikTok. Google us TikTok. on TikTok. TikTok us on TikTok. Uh, this show is available on Spotify. Uh, you can listen to us there if that's your preferred listening platform. Uh, and if you do that, give us a review over on Spotify. Five stars, baby. Hey. Um, five stars. Spotify, do it. Uh, and you can email us any thoughts, questions uh criticisms whatever you got to talk about birds at gmail.com uh and you can find all of that information you can listen to the podcast uh you can share this with your friends even if you want to go to talkingaboutbirds.com again you can find all of that information at talkingaboutbirds.com that's right benny you know what else you can find now at talking about birds that's right. We've got some new stuff coming out. We've got bah, bah, bah. we've got some T-shirts. I'm wearing one right now. They say really awesome, cool things like I enjoy watching baseball or robot umps are people too or get get in on the debate. Do you like the wave? Do you not like the wave? There's a shirt that says I don't do the wave. Get that for your grumpy cousin. Hey, uh, or. Uh, if you support the wave, get the I do the wave T-shirt. Um, we are trying to expand and make more of our show and more things available to other people. So check it out. You can get a link to that on our website at talkingaboutbirds.com. And we are also going to be including these shirts into levels of the Patreon. If you're an existing patron, we'll be reaching out to you. You'll you can get a choice of a shirt as well. So um, keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, we're really excited. They'll make great Christmas gifts and another way to support the show. So check it yeah. out. Talk and and I'll just say like Nate and I were. Yeah, obviously we're idiots, but we didn't want these yeah. to be shitty shirts. We, we both yeah. ordered samples. Um, they're decent quality. They're comfortable. They're tri blends, which is I'm something I'm very mm -hmm. excited for. They're they're very uh, soft and, and cushy. And um, yeah, I don't know. We didn't want to do it. I mean, we do a shitty podcast. We didn't want to do a shitty shirt. Also, <laughs> if you're so going to put it on your body. We wanted it to feel good. And it's not like weird branded stuff where it's just like pictures of us that you're walking around. We try to come up with like, you know, relevant stuff for baseball yeah. fans. And, and so. if you have any good ideas or something yeah. funny, you know, hit us up at <laughs> talk about birds at gmail.com. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So check it out. All right. Let's talk about the World Series. Um, it is. Wednesday the first, so we have game five tonight, uh, potentially the ending of the World Series. Woof. Um, you know, coming out of the first two games, I really felt like it was certain it was really looking at like advantage butts and cracks because they barely lost the first game and then smoked them in the second game, and then and they're going back to, to Arizona and um you know, the series has turned completely after two pretty dominating performances from the 
from the Rangers. And, uh, you know, the, the Diamondbacks are fighting for their lives at this point. They have to win the next three in a row, which has happened in World Series history. Uh, but I think we all know how rare and just unlikely that is. So barring a complete meltdown from the Rangers who have lost Adalis, which is disappointing, and Max Scherzer, which maybe is for the better for them. Um, but, you know, Seager looks like, well, Seager looks like Corey Seager, one of the best hitters in baseball. And just Simeon has turned it on finally, and things are just starting to come together for that team. And, you know. It, it, it seems very likely that even as early as tonight. So by the time this show comes out, the Texas Rangers will have already won yeah. the World Series. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we should spend too much time on it because this might be outdated yeah. as soon as this episode In like drops. five hours. Yeah. But I do like... There, uh, I think it's been interesting. And, you know, you watched last night's game. And I think, you know, the Diamondbacks can score runs. The Diamondbacks can score runs against good pitching. They are... uh, Their offense is dynamic. They have speed and power. And even the eighth and ninth hitters on their team are mm-hmm. not easy outs. They're 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 having relevant at bats and everything like that. I think the the most confusing thing for me is that they started game four as a bullpen game, and yeah. I, I this is where the Rangers really flex their muscle. the The Rangers have John or uh, uh, Max Scherzer get bounced out due to injury and. Um, and, and that weird kind of freak play where he got hit back in the or in the elbow and back by Alec Thomas. And guess they just bring out another good starter, John Gray, who comes out pumping 98 yeah. and looks better than Max Scherzer. And then they go to game four. Oh, oh, we, we're going to use John Gray. We'll just use Andrew Heaney, who we've talked about glowingly on this podcast, who's a, mm-hmm. a lefty who, when he's right, he can strike everybody out. He's got a funky, weird delivery and good breaking stuff. Um, and the Diamondbacks are relegated to a kind of sloppy bullpen game. Joe Mantiply comes out. Um, they have back-to-back innings where they give up five runs with two outs. Um, and it's just like the World Series, the team looks young. Uh, and it's yeah. that's kind of narrative bullshit, but like you see Christian Walker, who's arguably the best defensive first baseman in baseball like and it's not that close he's pretty far right. away the best even and and he kind of boots a ball trying to make a double play and then the rangers and that offense puts up five runs in what feels like three minutes um, right and uh it, it seems like that is i, I think that th- that really felt like the turning point um of the series and it's obviously easy to say that when you get blown out in three innings but uh if the Diamondbacks are able to come back tonight, they're able to put up some runs against Ivaldi, which I think that they will. I have some yeah. faith that that is going to happen. Like you said, though, it, it does feel um, like the story is kind of over already. Uh, but I'd like to see Zach Allen do something. Um, yeah. And I think that there's still a good series in here. So I, I hope to see that. Yeah, if they can win tonight, you know, you can go you they go back into the top end of their rotation, which is good, and you have yourself another series. But it's it's just winning three games in a row against anyone is difficult, let alone two of them at home and all three of them being World Series elimination games. So yeah, uh pressure's on. But um, you know, shout out to Cattell Marte, 
who is now set a new major league record for hits in consecutive uh, postseason games. I believe he's now at 20, uh, which is really cool. The record was 17, I think. So he's well past it at this point. Uh, so the Diamondbacks, while this World Series has turned on a dime on them, like, you know, they're really making this postseason. They've looked really good. Uh, obviously, they have to get to the World Series, but I think we're going to go into next year with them being seen as an as a legit contender, uh, maybe not necessarily to win the West because, you know, the Dodgers are just always there and who knows what they're going to go and do this offseason. But like <laughs> and the, and their, the Padres will probably be good. Yeah, it's a difficult division. And then the Giants, who knows, you know, like it's it's a tough division, but they have to be seen as a good young up and coming team. And Corbin Carroll might win the MVP next year. You yeah. know, so uh, it, it's it's been fun. I know we talked about it earlier. I don't want to rehash all of that, but like the ratings being bad for this, I don't think matter at all. I personally believe that these sorts of World Series actually do more big picture good for the game than having a lot of eyes on the TV in that moment. You need these like other market teams getting to the World Series and you need invigorating fan bases that maybe have been uh, not able to celebrate this deep for a long time. And so uh, the Rangers are probably about to win their first ever World Series, which I think is great. Absolutely. Um, And the Diamondbacks have likely made a whole lot of new fans and invigorated a fan base that has needed some help for quite a while too. So yeah. I think it's good. And, and I don't think people like you and I, or anyone listening to the show should give a shit about the ratings. Like yeah. everything is going to look less than uh NFL. Um, you know, game three was on Monday night, which they're competing with Monday night football. That's just always going to win. Football is number one. Um, everything else is number two. Um, but I think like, it, is it interesting? Are there different teams? I, I think MLB uh, a feather in their cap is that there is parity and that it's not the same teams every year. And I think yeah. getting away from Houston and LA um, is like you said, inherently good for the sport. And yeah. I think that we have like, I don't think there's a lack of superstar. Maybe, you know, Corbin Carroll and Cattell Marte are getting elevated. Um, but you have superstars on in this and, you know, again, hopefully well, it's the Rangers to be good. are, you know, Corey Seager is incredible. And, um, you know, that Adolius was breaking out as an even more of a celebrity in baseball, you know, so mega mind himself, as you put it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, again, we should stop talking about it because it's probably whatever we're saying right now is probably wrong and the Rangers are probably done and it's over. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What? A, wow. What a series. Great job. Diamondbacks <laughs> there. Okay. Um, we got a little bit of league news, uh, to talk about yeah. throughout the, uh, for the rest of the, uh, that's happened in the last week. The league tends to shut down during the world series week. Yeah. You know? I remember the Cardinals had to get like special privilege to fire Mike Schilt in the middle of the world series. So, no. uh, how, that was fun. Um, but yeah, what do you, what do you got here for who, us from who still seems record? to be in the conversation with the Padres? I feel like we're yeah. we're about to get a return of Mike Schilt. We'll we'll see what yeah. happens. Uh, but yeah, a couple of weird stories in MLB this year that I just I'll hit on really quickly. Um, Dodgers Mookie Betts Mookie Betts at the World Series interviewing players, trying to get that personality. He's so kooky. Mm-hmm. I can't. Uh, it's I, kooky Mookie, man. He's so uh, he's just so out of left field, right? Yeah. Field. 
Um, it's hard to keep up with him. He's so, so out of shortstop. Wow. Um, but Mookie Betts comes out and he says that hopes MLB teams consider re-signing or bringing Trevor Bauer back into the league. He gets the full <laughs> Mookie Betts stamp of approval. Um, now, we didn't really hit on this, and mostly I don't want to hit. I didn't really want to bring it into the league news section because I think it's not the most fun thing to talk about. Um, but uh, Trevor Bauer has mostly been exonerated with some leaked uh, or some information that he and his legal team leaked. Uh, essentially, it, it, and I don't want to say anything definitive on this because Bauer, um, like, He's not a kind of guy I would ask to water my plants. I don't. There's just right. something about him. I just don't trust him. Um, there's something off about him. I find him to be uh, attention-seeking in the worst way. It's kind um, of a dipshit. Kind of. I think dipshit is a <laughs> and a doofus. And yeah. um, he uh, he just thinks he's God's gift or something. But anyways, so he's been mostly exonerated. It, it looks like that woman unfortunately made um a, a good deal of what happened up uh and, and there he presented some pretty compelling evidence that, that kind of supports that so it seems likely that bauer is coming back into baseball here soon i do find it weird that mookie would he's kind of a guy with a golden reputation that he would kind of put himself out there on the line for somebody like Trevor Bauer, but yeah. I, I don't know if that's if if I'm looking too far into it or if it's really not a story, but something that I found interesting. He's just being kooky. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I have I have not done enough uh, like reading on the newer. I guess it's not even that new at this point. No, um, but I've not done much research on it, so I, I'm not I'm hesitant to to make any broad proclamations about Trevor Bauer. But I will say like. It's not uncommon for horrible, um, douchey people to like be tight with their bros, you right. know, and Mookie and him played together. So like they might have been tight as bros because they're both millionaire uh, athletes, you know, and so one being like he's a cool guy is not necessarily like a a. um like valuable reference. Yeah. You know? Um, so I am surprised as you are that you would even bother going out to say something like that. It's weird, uh, but I also don't really care. I need to better understand the reality of, of what has happened before I would say like, yeah, go sign Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Um, and I, do, I still don't want the Cardinals to sign it. So. I, I will. So I read through all the stuff and, and, and essentially it appears as though, and I'm making this judgment based off the information that was provided from Trevor Bauer's legal team. So yeah, huge grain of salt there. Uh, but it seems like they have proof that the woman um, in question planned it. Uh, and there were some pretty damning text messages in between her and a friend. Mm. Um and they were kind of hunting for a baseball player. And Trevor Bauer is either dumb enough or carefree enough or whatever to take that bait. So, yeah. you know, I, I think it's not like he comes out looking squeaky clean. But anyways, I, I yeah, yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my last thing was would be to say that we said from the beginning, we hope that the allegations are not true. Yeah. You know, because like I would rather 
that that than <laughs> these horrible things to have happened. Yes, you know that not so. exists in our lovely world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So okay, yeah. Let's let's move on. Okay, this story is. I'm curious to hear your opinion on it. And Nate, I'm I'm going to take a little bit of a shot at you just because I feel like you could be. Um, I'll call them a victim. You could be this victim. But a lawsuit has been filed against Jorge Soler and the Braves for damages related to facial injuries sustained from a ball Soler threw into the crowd in 2021. Um, yeah. I well, will say, I've been on the record saying the only time I'm I'm catching a home run ball is that it, it like embeds itself into my chest right. and is extracted in the hospital and they let me keep it. <laughs> so like if you get hit in the chest and almost killed by a home run ball there. It, it, there's a lot more just like chance and randomness in that. Right. Yeah. So I understand how that pro- like that never comes up. You never hear about somebody getting in trouble for home run. It's not like they were controlling it. But when you throw a ball into the stands, um, especially when you're a major league baseball player, you have a lot more autonomy over where that ball mm-hmm. is going. And I guess I'm curious if you were in this person's shoes and you were sitting in the outfield and Jorge Soler rifles a ball into the stands and you get hit by it. What what are your thoughts? How how are you feeling in this situation? Well, I'm also, you know, very um, aware of my own, you know, capabilities in this regard. And if I, if I get smashed in the chest by a ball tossed to me from a major league baseball player, I'm laughing and I'm not holding them accountable. That's on me. Sure. I don't know that I'm the the best example for this, you know, because I, I I also just don't have a um, I guess I haven't been in many situations to have a litigious nature. But my my first thought is not like, how do I hold someone accountable for this? You know, Um, so while I think I definitely could get hit in the chest by this and hurt, I don't think I'm I'm looking for restitution. Um, I'm I'm like, damn it, I fucked it up. (laughs) I should have caught that. Right. So um now, like broadly, um, it is it's both very surprising because this is just it's baseball. Like a whole thing about baseball is that you have an opportunity for a ball to come flying at you, whether it's been hit or thrown to you by the by a player. Right. Like it's just, you know, and 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 sometimes that's a, a rookie's first hit ever. Right. And that just gets <laughs> flung to you into the into, when you're out in the stands, too even sometimes up in the upper decks. Yeah. Um, so like I'd be, su- I'm surprised that someone feels like they have standing for like this to have been considered a, a, a like, you know, criminal or, or, or otherwise like yeah. something that you could actually bring suit on that said on the flip side, like, you know, it's America, baby. You know, like someone got hurt at a thing. So there's let's go. Like a, yeah, let's go. You know, yeah. so I guess I'm not. I'm also kind of surprised it took this long for someone to get hurt by a a ball going into the stands one way or another yeah. and it going and it going to litigation. Yeah. You know, fascinating. Um, We'll, we'll try to follow up on this, but yeah, I yeah. just wanted to get your, your two cents. I find it I, a, a funny. I hope that the person is okay. I can't imagine yeah. it being that bad, but uh, it's kind of bizarre. I, what I like, I don't know all the details on how, how hurt they are and whatnot. And so I could see a world where the, the, the team is, has to pay like medical. Uh, sure. And, and that'd be fine. Like, you know, I think that would be a reasonable outcome. Uh, my, my hope is that 
this doesn't like tailspin into a situation where like now players are not allowed to throw balls into the stands or something like that. Um, That would be my concern because that's such a, for so many people that is like a lifetime thing that you caught a ball at a game and it makes you feel connected to the sport. And it's like a story you have for the rest of your life. You know, Um, Molly's uncle caught one of Tony Cruz's like four career home runs. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I know that's not the same, but like the, the, I, I caught a ball thrown to me by Brian Jordan back when I was a kid. And like, it is, seared into my memory you know and yeah. so like it's such a thing in baseball um i i was at the uh uh you're gonna hate this but i was at city's first ever playoff game uh Bloody. on sunday night did they score was, did they touch that <laughs> well touchdown? it was a horrible game it was yeah. uh it was sleeting and uh it was at it started at 9 30 on sunday night what and and they got smoked um, but I was behind the goal and a, a a ball came really close to us. And I was like, it's such bullshit. I should get to keep that ball if I catch it. You but absolutely no, should. They they threw it back. Um, why did it start so late? Because of the weather? No, it, it's a, sort of the same thing that you and I have complained about with with baseball. Basically, MLS only wanted one playoff oh. game happening at a time. Oh, because people and, are clamoring to watch it. <laughs> Well, I think it's honestly probably the other way around where they their fan base. They're like, we can't we we, we want like the, we can only sustain like one game at a time. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, and from my understanding, too, because it was a Sunday, they didn't they were trying not to compete with American football. So the first game started at five. The second game started at seven. And then the third game started at at like you know nine, and, yeah, and kickoff yeah. wasn't till nine thirty, which wouldn't have been a problem normally. You know the game's over in two and a half hours, so it's not like it's a huge deal. But man, it was so cold and so wet, and they got just like the first twenty minutes was great, yeah, and then it just went downhill like horribly from there. But City Park is still beautiful, and I'm glad that we went. But uh, yeah, it was it was rough. All right, that sounds good. I'm. <laughs> I'm, it was a first ever first ever playoff game, and I was glad to get to be there. Well, I've told you my theory. They're they're just they're sandbag. The league is sandbagging so that the city can go far, but then get bounced out to just make St. Louis people happy and spend money. But uh, mm. I, I think it's all it's all preordained. Yeah, the soccer gods have decided. Yeah, or whoever owns MLS. I don't I don't know who that is, but probably Cronky. <laughs> God damn it. Uh all right. That's all the league news. Again, not much happening other than the World yeah. Series and the world of baseball right now. So all right. We're gonna wrap up this episode with a quick little game of who charted. Who charted? All right. So uh Ben, I was goofing around with our friendly robot the other day. What? Um I, I have very mixed emotions on things like chat GPT and whatnot. Um, so I don't really want to get into a debate around the merits of, of chat GPT right now, but I thought it'd be interesting to ask it. Who are the top 10 best St. Louis Cardinals of all time? Okay. And uh, your, your game here is to guess how the robots have determined or what the robots have determined as the 10 best St. Louis Cardinals of all time. Okay. I think some of it's pretty obvious, but I, you know, it's it's not not 
fully as obvious as you'd expect. So, yeah. so we're going to go down standard rules. You get a guess three, three strikes and you're out. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I've got it, uh, pulled up here in front of me and you can guess and we'll go from there. Yeah. So my, and I just want to, my, my thought process here, knowing how chat GPT works, um, it's obviously just scraping the internet and regurgitating shit. So mm -hmm. it's probably weighing on people who have been mentioned in the past 20 years more aggressively than folks historically, uh, it would be my guess with the like maybe Bob Gibson and Stan Musial being the outliers there. Um, it also, I would imagine is trending towards people who are mentioned more often. Um, so sorting by controversial rather than production. I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. I don't yeah. I don't know if this is right or anything, but I'll, I'll just start naming some guys. Um, okay. Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols coming in at number four. Really? Um, it has little blurbs. Pujols had a remarkable career with the Cardinals from 2001 to 2011, a three-time MVP with St. Louis. He was an incredible hitter known for his power and consistency at the plate. Cool. Um, another thing to note, ChatGPT is only caught up to 2022, I think January of 2022. Yeah. So it doesn't actually even know anything about the the season of 2022 right. with the car, with Pujols. So. Um, it's still surprising. You think he'd be higher. I yep. will say uh, Yadier Molina. Yadi is on there. He's coming in at number seven. Okay. Molina, the longtime catcher, has been with the Cardinals since 2004. He's won multiple Gold Gloves Award, been selected numerous All-Star games, and has been a crucial part of two World Series winning teams. Cool. Let's do, we'll just do them both at the same time. Stan Musial, Bob Gibson. There you go. That is one and two. Stan is one and Bob is two. I don't I don't have to read all of these. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think. I'm I want to say Mark McGuire just because of the pub. Um I'll say Mark McGuire. No, Mark McGuire is okay. not on the list. All right. Um let's say Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright is not on the list. I am very surprised by that. Yeah. So you've got four right, two wrong. So there's six more guys that you could guess. Four. Okay. Um, let's do slaughter. No, Ben, he is not on there. Ha! You have swung out. Swung out. You've struck out. That is so, shit right there. Well, you missed a few obvious ones. I'm going to say a few of these. You could argue. But I'm going to run down the list, okay? Number one, Stan Musial. Number two, Bob Gibson. Number three, Ozzie Smith. Sure. Yeah, I was going down. Well, I, well, first, my I was trying to start with more current players, and then I was mm -hmm. just going to work down the Hall of Famers. Gotcha. I okay. cannot believe Slaughter was not on the list. But yeah. anyways. So Ozzie is number three. Um, number four was Albert Pools. Number five, Rogers Hornsby. Sure. Makes sense. Number six, Red Shane Deist. Sure. Number seven, Yachty. Number eight, Lou Brock. Sure. Number nine, Dizzy Dean. Uh, yeah, I, I probably would have gotten there. Yeah. But like, 
Slaughter is better than Dean and Brock and Yachty. So, I mean, obviously, I'm arguing with a fake AI. <laughs> I don't know bot. what you. Here, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. But uh, I'm gonna type. I can be annoyed. Slaughter is better. <laughs> uh, uh, well, let me finish the list. Um, and number ten. This is the one that I was kind of the most surprised at. Uh, Chris Carpenter. Yeah. Coming in at number 10. That um, is also a bad one, but uh, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it honestly, it comes off as an individual's personal opinion based off of who is their favorite. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is kind of intriguing because it's a robot. You know, it's kind of expecting it just to go off of like war list or something, yeah. you know, but it really seems to have picked personal favorites <laughs> um I didn't, I didn't and know you know let us remind everyone because this episode is certainly going to ultimately end up you know transcribed in some ai database that we love our robots <laughs> they're so nice to us yeah i'm sorry for disagreeing with you about eno slaughter i i you're right i'm wrong um uh, I wrote Eno Slaughter is better than Dizzy Dean into the uh, um, into the chat. Yeah, and what he said. Response Ben. Thank you. <laughs> ChatGPT is a male. Uh, comparing Eno Slaughter and Dizzy Dean involves considering their distinct roles and an impact on the St. Louis Cardinals and opinions about who was the quote unquote better player might vary based on different criteria. Both Slaughter and Dean were exceptional players in their own right, excelling in different aspects of the game. So great. And then point. they wrote like it, they wrote like 20 paragraphs about who is better. So I think you just got schooled by a robot. So that's a good point. Um, I didn't think about any of that. So you're right. Yeah. Um, Dizzy Dean had like five good seasons. You know, Slaughter had like 15. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. No, makes sense. I, I, I submit. Um, I was gonna also, say Dizzy Dean is a is, Dizzy Dean is a more fun name, but it is no, Slaughter is a pretty good name too, though. Yeah. Also, Slaughter was a uh, he fought in World War II. I mean, come on, now, that's bonus yeah. points right there alone. Do you think it would be a successful metal band name to just be called Eno you know, Slaughter? I do. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> um. Maybe we should start a uh, start a metal band. You know, I love metal. You do. We call it Eno Slaughter. You can't get enough of it. All right. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We're talking about birds.com. Check out our new shirts. They're great. I'm wearing one right now. You can see it on the TikTok, probably. Wow. Um, we'll be back next week to round out our coverage of the World Series and the dramatic comeback for the Arizona butts and cracks. Or maybe this the the petering out and the victorious texas rangers we'll see and um maybe we'll have some more actual cardinal news by next week i don't know we'll find out stay tuned come back next week thanks everyone and until next week go john mazalek executing a complicated plan hell yeah
right, here we go. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. <laughs>